Welcome to the Untold Podcast, capturing the culture's imagination through speculative fiction. I'm your host, Nathan James Norman. We plan on having a brand new story for you next week. In the meantime, we're going to share with you a sermon I preached at the Orchard Church a few weeks ago. I'm not going to tell you much about it, but I think when you listen to it, you'll understand why I'm sharing this with you, and you'll probably ask yourself, why in the world did I preach this message? I also have to give credit to my younger brother, Timothy Norman, who, as a young child, thought that this is how traffic lights worked. I made fun of him when I was a little bit older, and now I realize the genius of his ways. I repent. So, without further ado, the Untold Podcast awkwardly presents... The Butts in the Traffic Light, by Nathan James Norman. Having a green butt makes you a bit of a celebrity and a bit of an outcast. If you're going to work on traffic lights, green is the best color to have. Green, yellow, red. Red is on top. Green is king! Some sods say the other the order is red, green, yellow, but that makes no sense. No car waits for a yellow light. The yellow light is a transition to red. No, if you ask me, or anyone, green butts are the best butts to have in the traffic light industry. The only problem is no one wants to marry a green. Except, of course, other greens. But for some reason, green ladies are, how shall I put this delicately, dogs. Every last one of them. Have you ever driven through a green light that looked a bit burned out. That, my friends, is a female green. So, us green chaps aren't so bad looking, though. At least I don't think so. Yes, it's hard to be the king of the traffic light. But we are everyone's favorite. No one likes the reds, and only the clinically insane seek the thrill of a yellow. Which, by the way, means don't enter the intersection, not speed up and endanger everyone's lives. I arrived at the morning shift, just as some globbing idiot ran through the yellow, and I waited until the yellow moved away from his lens before approaching the green I was relieving from duty. Good morning, Gertie. How was traffic last night, I said. Slow as always, she began walking past me. I looked down the grate, past the yellow, to check on red. His posterior was still pressed firmly against the lens and glowing bright. Just then, Gertrude pinched me on the side. Have a great night, cutie. (sighs) See what I mean? Red cleared his throat just as a waiting car honked its horn. Oh, sorry, I lit up my green derriere and backed into the glass. The car sped through the intersection. After two minutes, I looked down to the yellow just below me. Oh, great, I muttered. It was that guy. I couldn't remember his name, but we worked together for four or five years. Jan or Yates or York or something like that. He looked up at me just as he lit up the glass and gave me a wave with his one hand. The one that wasn't busy picking his nose. Hi, Gerald, he said. I gave a polite half wave back. Oh, yes, hi. Jan or Yates or York, let's just call him Jan for argument's sake, turned his light off and then red was up. The red on duty today was a good guy, Rex. Always calm, always on time, always did his job. And even though he was a red, I was a little envious of him. He'd married this beautiful yellow, and they had given birth to four rambunctious orange lights. Last I heard, they all worked on the same railroad crossing sign, and the whole family was happy. That lucky glob. I wished I could find a good-looking yellow to marry, but then the children would come out looking like some sort of sickly green. 
kid's only hope would be to get a job at some two-bit casino sign. Just then, Rex grunted again. Oh, sorry, Rex. Once again, I lit up and let the line of early commuters through. Toward the end of my two-minute timer, I looked down to Jan, and his finger was all the way up his nose, past the second knuckle. Get ready down there. What? He said. I said get ready. He wiggled his finger around his nose a few more times, almost ignoring me. I looked at the timer. We were five seconds over. I could start to hear some grumbling from the other traffic light across the way. Good glob man, get your finger out of your nose and get that butt lit. Jan said, hold on, I almost got it. Oh, for crying, get your finger out of your nose, Jan. My name is Yorick. Yorick, Yorick, okay, whatever, Yorick, get your finger out of your nose. Why? You don't even know my name. Yeah, yes, I do. Yes, I do. I just mis misspoke. He said, you work with someone for eight years and they don't even bother to know your name. Rex grunted below us. Car horns started to honk from the other direction, but Yorick still didn't light up. Oh, and I suppose you know my name. Gerald, he said. Ah. Whatever, Yorick, get your finger out of your nose and light up so the other lane can get going. Why? Because it's your job, man. He lit up for a few seconds, then Rex lit up after him. I timed everything just right and lit up without receiving another grunt from Rex. Yorick was also determined to get his timing right, but once Rex lit up again, Yorick said, I mean, why should I stop picking my nose? Why? Why? Because it's disgusting, man! No, it isn't, he said. Yes, it is. Of course it is. Everyone thinks that it is! Rex grunted, and I lit up. Do not judge me, Yorick said. Ho, 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 I will absolutely judge you. It is unsanitary, unsightly, and undignified for any employee of the traffic light union. Yorick lit up, I think a bit too early, and said, It's who I am. Who you are? Rex lit up. Who you are? Yorick said. Just like you have a green bottom, I have the desire to put my finger up my nose. It's in my DNA. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Look, you're picking your nose right now. Rex grunted for me to light up, but I ignored him. I have an insatiable desire to pick my nose. But that's a desire. Good club, man. We, have, we all have desires we don't act on, I said. Rex started yelling, and I could hear some cars honking in the background. Yorick said, It doesn't hurt you, so why do you care? Because I have to look at it, he said. Please stop, please stop trying to change who I am. <sighs> I don't care if you have an insatiable desire to pick your nose. You have to make a choice. You have to choose a hand. Then you have to choose a finger on that hand. Then choose a nostril. Then stick your chosen finger in your chosen nostril until you at last, unless of course you make a last minute switch, and then wiggle your finger around your nose. You have, a you have to make a choice. Choose not to! Just then I heard a truck go through the red light. Rex was still on. I snapped out of it and illuminated my lens, allowing traffic to continue on. I decided to stay on a little bit longer just to make up for lost time. Yorick said, It's my turn now! Just a moment longer! I want to let this line of traffic get shorter, I said. No! He shouted and he lit up. He lit up his butt while I was still lit. No one ever does that. And then Rex lit up. 
He must not have seen that I was still lit. The next thing, and York was lit too, and the next thing I remember is a screeching sound, and the sound of metal grinding, smashing together. The intersection was shut down when the police, while the police and fire trucks arrived. Usually when this sort of thing happens, we were supposed to stay at our posts until the shift was over. I chose to sit in absolute silence. Even though the intersection was absolutely gridlocked, York continued to diligently flash against the lens the whole time. Squeak, squeak, squeak. At the end of my shift, I saw Gertrude approaching the lens. Gertrude, I said. I didn't realize you were on second and third shift. I'm not, she said. I just forgot my purse. I looked at the coat hanger and saw a bedazzled bag hanging from the hook. Ah, so you have, I said. I glanced below quickly and saw Rex and York still waiting for their replacements, just as mine brushed past me. I hurried out of there, but caught up with Gertrude. Hey, Gertie, wait up. Do you have a moment? Gertrude stopped. I always have time for you, buttercup. She winked. Ugh. Have you worked with York before? Sure, lots of times. He's been here eight years. Ah, well, have you ever gotten into an argument with him that resulted in a seven-car pileup? No, never. So you are okay with the um, gold digging he does in his nostrils? Of course not. It's disgusting. Well, well have you ever said anything? On occasion. Aha! I said. So you have argued with him before? No, I haven't. I don't know what it is, Gertie. Every time I, I work with him, it turns into this massive conflict. You have hate in your heart, Gerald. She turned to walk away. I ran in front of her. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't hate him. It's just that what he does is disgusting and it bothers me. Gertrude looked at me, looked at me straight in the eyes. It bothers me too, Gerald. Listen. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all offenses. You have your Bibles. Open up to the book of Proverbs, chapter 10, verse 12. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to use one of your red chair back Bibles. It's on page 563. And as always, if you don't own a Bible and you like a Bible, feel free to take one of those red chair back Bibles home with you. Read it, put your name in it. It's our gift to you. We want you to get in the Word of God and the Word of God to get into you. Solomon wrote this. In chapter 10, verse 12, hatred stirs up conflicts, but love covers all offenses. And that's it. Proverbs are an interesting text. Proverbs are life distilled down to its most basic essence. Uh, Proverbs are like uh, Florida oranges, right? You take a Florida orange and you squeeze all of the water out of it, and then you stick it into a frozen can, right? And you have the orange concentrate. Right? That's what a proverb is. It's you take all of life and it's squeezed down to its most essential core. And you have a proverb. Uh, proverbs, the context is Solomon has uh, either told these things or he's collected them and he's teaching them to his son or a teacher is teaching them to uh, their, his or her student. And these, this is basic wisdom for life. And um, their context, we don't know 100% what it was, but the context of whatever this text was, you can imagine, is um, the son comes to Solomon or the, the student comes to the teacher and says, you know, I have this conflict with people. 
It's so hard, and, and, and uh, I'm, I'm getting into conflict all the time. Maybe it's with their parents, maybe it's with their kids, maybe it's with their uh, neighbors or their coworkers. And I don't understand why I'm having all this conflict all the time. And Solomon takes the student aside and says, hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all offenses. He's telling him, do you have secret hatred in your heart? Is that... That's what, is that what's causing the conflict? Because we disagree with people all the time, but it doesn't cause conflict. And then this person who came to Solomon, you know, they, wherever they go, it seems like conflict follows. He says, is there hatred in your heart? Is there secret hatred in your heart? And do you have love in your heart? Because that will cover a, a bunch of offenses. And now maybe, maybe it's just the other people who have the secret hatred. But I think more often than not, it's the hatred that we have to deal with in our own hearts. And so... The proverb, whatever the context was originally, it was a conversation that went something like that. Squeeze down to concentrate. You've all done the frozen concentrate before, right? That's the best way to drink orange juice. Uh, <laughs> but what do you do, right? So you squeeze all of the water out of the orange, and then you just have concentrate. And then you take it, and you add your own water, right? Florida keeps its water. You add your own water. That's kind of what I just did here with this text is... Uh, Solomon squeezed all of the water, so their context is lost to us. I read a short story that hopefully, um, you know, you saw some conflict and maybe a little bit of yourself in there. I don't know what color your butts are, and I don't need to know. Um, but but uh, I put put a story in there, and we could we could relate to that more than uh, well Hezekiah his field like uh, we're not we're not ancient Jews from hundreds of years ago. We're not. So I added my water, and now we understand, okay, you know, we, we could see this. You've all had conflicts, haven't you? You absolutely have. You've had conflicts with your coworkers, you've had conflicts with your kids, you've had conflicts with your uh, spouses, you've had conflicts within your church. We have conflict. And what does Solomon say? 1012, hatred stirs up conflicts, but love covers all offenses. Uh, I tell you, I went through this, and as I'm praying through, how am I going to preach this? What is this uh, doing? I, I said, okay, God, you know, what conflicts have I had in the last 10 years, right? And I started writing down. So I'm writing these conflicts down that I've had over the last 10 years of my life. And um, I prayed the prayer that, um, that the psalmist said, God, search my heart and know me. Was there hatred in my heart in these conflicts? Church, I started writing down names. I think God the Holy Spirit was revealing to me all sorts of names. And the length of that list is horrifying to me. Because I would have never. Just like Ger Gerald in the story. And someone's like, ah, well, you hate that person. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't like them. What they're doing is disgusting. They bother me. It's just a disagreement. And as I'm praying through this, God's showing me, yeah, you have hatred in your heart for this person, for that person. Here's another one. Here's another one. And another. Hatred stirs up conflict. What secret hatred? You have, by the way, there was no one in this church on that list, so <laughs> we're all clear. But my challenge to you is to go through this week, ask God like the psalmist did, search my heart and know me. What hatreds do I have in my heart? 
but hey, what conflicts have happened in my life? And maybe some of the conflicts have been someone else's hatred. At least that helps you understand contextually what's going on. But what, 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 what conflicts do I have and how have I contributed to that? How have I, I, I had hate for, for a fellow human being? And then you say, well, love, and the other part of that is love covers all, it's, he says all, offensive, uh, all offenses, right? So, right, so yeah, the person you had conflict with, just love them, right? We're done, the sermon's over. No, that's hard, that's impossible. How in the world can you show love to someone who's hurt you so deeply? You can't. But we know we're commanded to. Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Ah, that's easy. No, it's not, it's hard. Uh, scripture says, uh, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, we look at what's happening over in, uh, in, in North Carolina right now with, with uh, racial tension, racial hatred. And you go, what's going on? Ah, and then, you know, you go to Facebook and everyone's got an answer. There is, you know, there is no answer. And everyone's like, oh, we got to do something. Oh, what are you going to do, right? Like, you go, pulverize them. Like, okay, well, that doesn't, that's not what Jesus said. Um, well, okay, what else are you going to do? Educate them, right? Like, ah, educational safety. That doesn't. Yeah, education doesn't help. It's a condition of the human heart. That's why it starts here. Why well, we need to stop and say, God, search me and know me. What kind of hatreds do I have in my heart? What hatreds do I have in my heart towards people who look different than me? And let me be honest. We have a really unique challenge up here in northern Michigan, which is 96.8% Caucasian. Right? And if you've lived here your whole life, and if you've grown up here your whole life, and you've only really seen largely white people, it's very easy to just think of anyone who looks a little bit different or is from a different ethnic background or different racial background and say, ah, those people, right? And it turns into this weird ethnic hatred, racism thing. And, and it's so bad, though, that none of us say, God, search my heart and know me, because you're like, well, that's so bad. Hitler was a racist, so I can't possibly be Hitler. I won't even ask God to search my heart to see if there's hatreds in my heart, right? We don't. In the quiet of our own rooms, we can say, God, search my heart and know me. And when he reveals maybe a people group you don't like, or a neighbor or a friend, or at times your spouse, or at times your children, or at times your parents, then you go, God, okay, I'm called to love them, but I don't feel like it. What do I do? Or you go to Christ and say, Lord, help me to love. I can't do this on my own. Look at this text. There isn't just us in here. Jesus is in here, too. Hatred stirs up conflicts, but love covers all offenses. This is exactly what Jesus did for us on the cross, isn't it? He covered up all of our offenses by loving us sacrificially, even to the point of death, a humiliating death on the cross, where he shed his blood for us, so that whoever believes can have eternal life. That's what Jesus did for us. It's how he loved us, and that's what he's calling. That's what Solomon is calling us to do. Love covers all offenses. It doesn't mean you're a doormat. It doesn't mean you you, you uh, willingly put yourself towards abuse. But what we love sacrificially, and he says it covers all offenses. The little conflicts don't become big conflicts; they become no conflict because you love the other person and you're willing to bear with them. I mean, let's face it. At the end of the day, we're all kind of butts in the traffic light, aren't we? We really are. And someone calls us out on it, like, ah, you got hate. 
You got hate in your heart, Gerald. No, I don't have hate in my heart. Are you kidding me? I love everybody. That guy's a jerk, but I, he's just a jerk. I just don't like him. Uh, you know, it's, it's disgusting. He's despicable. He's awful. But I don't hate him. Like, well, then how are you defining hate? This is good basic wisdom. Jesus was able to do it, and you are not. And so we ask God the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, search my heart and know me. Reveal the hatreds I have in my heart for other individuals or people groups. Transform me. You have to do that. Otherwise, the hate, hatred will continue to fester in your heart. Lord, help me to love people who don't deserve it because that is exactly what he's done for you and me. While we were still sinners, while we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. Love covered all of our offenses. Hatred stirs up conflict. Love covers all of 